to the High Praises Church podcast. We hope you are blessed by today's sermon. Now here's lead pastor, Chris Starr. Matthew chapter 16. I've really been excited to preach this message. It's a very evangelistic message, but it's also somewhat creative It's amazing what you can find in the scriptures. I've entitled this message, Make the Right Investment. Make the right investment, you'll understand this. And especially if you are the person here who uh, invests your money or you have, maybe you're in the stock market. Uh, There are things that I'll say today that hopefully will resonate with you. For that matter, if you just make money and go to the store and spend it. There are things I say today that will resonate with you. Matthew chapter 16, beginning verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. Then Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord. This shall not happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are an offense to me, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but the things of men. And then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Notice this verse. For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You can be seated. Let me ask you a question this morning. What would you do if you knew the exact day you were going to die? How would that affect you? I don't know that I'd want to know that. Let me ask you this. What would you do if you knew not only the exact day you were going to die, but you knew how you were going to die? I don't know if I'd want to know that either. I I think I'd rather not be privy to that knowledge. I think I'd rather just be surprised by it. But Jesus did not have that luxury. He knew the exact time and means that he was going to die. He knew that it was when he was talking to the disciples here, it was going to be the next day, and that it was going to be through death by crucifixion. When he shared this information with his disciples, Peter reacted negatively by publicly rebuking the Lord. This is not going to happen to you. I I refuse to let this happen to you. It can't happen to you. And Jesus was not impressed by Peter's passion for him and his concern for him. As a matter of fact, he was very disappointed in Peter. And by the way, you should never rebuke the Lord in public. I don't recommend rebuking the Lord ever. How about you? And so Jesus, in turn, turned around and rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. And he said, you are not mindful of the things of God. You're not thinking about the spiritual things. You're not in my frame of mind. You're thinking about the things of men. You see, Jesus was going to give his life in exchange for the lives of sinful mankind to gain redemption for us, but Peter couldn't see that. Peter wanted Jesus, listen, to keep his life at the expense of your life and my life. Something to think about, isn't it? He would rather us die and go to hell and Jesus live than Jesus die for us so that we could live. And so, and so he, he, he thought that Jesus was establishing 
an earthly kingdom and that he was going to get power and authority and position and be a, a regent with Jesus in his earthly kingdom. And so he was guilty of being consumed with worldly things at the expense of godly things. And Peter's transgression provoked a response from Jesus to his disciples. And let me say to you, not only to them, but to us here at High Praises and those of you watching online. So we need to pay attention to this. He said, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to be born again, you must do three things. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow me. And basically what he's saying is, you're going to have to say no to some things. You're going to have to renounce self-centered ambitions. And you're going to have to fulfill the destiny and the plan that I have set for you. Let me just use my own words here to tell you what Jesus was saying. Jesus was basically saying this. Look, guys, I'm going to Jerusalem to take up a cross. I am denying myself comfort and even my very own life in order to pay the ultimate price for your sin. And as much as I want to live... I must die. But if I die, I will live again. What I lose, I'll gain back. And then others will experience new life too. And so likewise, you have to follow my lead. You need to take up your cross, not a literal cross, not a cross to die on, but you need to die to yourself and die to this world and die to the worldly things that would keep you from me. You must learn to place the spiritual before the secular or the spiritual before the non-spiritual. Guys, you've got to learn how to put the things of God and the things that matter to me before yourself, your spouse, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your children, your career, your education, your business, your, your, your desires and, your, and, and, and achievements in life and, and your comforts. Everything in this world, your possessions, your wealth, your recreational activities, you've got to learn to put me first. And this is what Jesus meant in verse 25. He said, if you want to save your natural and worldly life at the cost of spiritual things, go ahead, but you'll lose it. But if you will give up sin and worldliness for the sake of Jesus and, and invest in your own spiritual life and the things of God, then he said, you will gain your life and all the blessings that I can give you. You will be a winner, not a loser. And I just want to stop right here before I go any further in this message. That as I begin to share some things this morning and talk, understand that I'm not some preacher who's inoculated because sometimes when we preach the way I'm about to preach, it almost sounds like that we're against all these things in life that are your life, and it is not the case. Okay? There is nothing inherently wrong with having some me time or investing in yourself. There's nothing wrong with having a spouse, having a boyfriend, having a girlfriend, as long as they're godly. Having children, raising your children, enjoying your children, doing the things with your children. There's nothing wrong with having a career. There's nothing wrong with getting education. You should do those things. Hey, if you can start a business and it thrive and grow, go for it. I'll be your biggest fan. I'm entrepreneurial. Okay, if you want to have recreational activities, there's nothing wrong with that. I love to hunt. I love to fish. I love to play golf. I'm an outdoorsman. I, I got to get outside or I go nuts. 
It's just the way I'm wired. There's nothing wrong with doing those things. There's nothing wrong with shopping and buying things and having things and making money. If you can make money, make all you can. Okay, some people think that it's, that it's wrong if Christians are wealthy. No, they're not. Job was wealthy. Abraham was wealthy. Okay, there's nothing wrong with being wealthy. All right, money is not inherently wrong. The love of money is the root of all evil. See, so it's it. So I just want you to understand. As I talk this morning, I'm not saying that you should just always walk around reading your Bible and praying and witnessing to people and not live life. That would be stupid. Okay, read the book of Ecclesiastes. You work. That that book talks more about work than either the book in the Bible. You work a job, you work, you, you make money, you obtain things, you eat. You know the Bible says eat, drink, and enjoy the fruit of your labor? You know what that tells me? That tells me go fishing. That verse says go buy a bass boat and go fishing. And I took it up, I'm obedient to the word. So that stated, let me preach though about those things. Jesus then gets to this key verse, which is what it really what I want to preach on today. For what profit is it to a man or a woman if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? And I am fascinated in this one verse how extensively Jesus uses economic terms to reveal spiritual truths. Let me explain. He says, for what will it profit a man? Now, that's an economic term. Profit is the valuable gain or return on an investment. Okay, so I don't, you know, my life is my life. I try not to stick my nose too much in your life, but, but my life is, is, a lot of preachers aren't businessmen. I have a business sense. I'm not a businessman. I'm a pastor, but I'm a businessman, and I invest. I invest in a lot of different ways, and I invest my own money and things, and 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 and, and so I, I kind of this is my world. All right, maybe a lot of you don't know that because a lot of people think, well, the preacher all he does is just sit in his study all day, and obviously goes fishing. Even uh, because I already said that, but I'm an investor, so this resonates with me. Okay, so if you make a profit, what has happened? You have derived a benefit from your expenditure. The transaction has been completed to your advantage, okay? It's the valuable gain or return on investment. So Jesus talks about a profit. Then he talks about gains and losses. Gains and losses. And that's economic. If you make an investment in a good enterprise, you will gain a profit. We, we'll say you make money. But if you invest in a bad enterprise, then you will not gain profit. You will lose profit, and you'll probably lose some of your money and, and so that's what we say. You will lose money. So in, in economics, there's gains and losses. There's profit. And then he uses the word exchange. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? And that's probably as fundamental as you can get when it comes to economics because it's basically trading. It's giving and taking. All right? This is the giving of one thing in return for another. And everybody here understands that. Tomorrow, unless you're off work tomorrow for Labor Day, so let's say Tuesday, you will go into work and you will give them your time, you will give them your energy, you will give them your skills, you will give them your labor, you will give them your education and knowledge to perform things for them, create things for them, and in exchange on Friday or twice a week or once a month, however you get paid, they will cut you a paycheck and give you money. It's an exchange, all right? So when my wife Leah decides to go to TJ Maxx, 
which she loves to do. How many ladies love TJ Maxx? Or Home Goods? Okay. See, she's shouting over there now. See, you can't hear it at home, but Leah's over here shouting. All right. And she goes in and she finds merchandise that she wants. She gets it and she brings it to the counter and there's an exchange that takes place. They say, you can have that merchandise, but we need some money in exchange. So we understand these very fundamental concepts. Go back to the scripture. Jesus said, what profit, what advantage, what gain will you obtain if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? So let me ask you this. This is what he's saying. If you exchange your soul for this world and the things of this world, are you a winner or a loser? It's a rhetorical question. The answer is you're a loser. It's, it's implied. You will come out on the wrong end of that deal if you spend your whole life trying to gain things and accumulate things at the neglect of God. And does the world have a lot to offer you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not an idiot. The world has a lot to offer you, and a lot of it's good and a lot of it's bad. But here's what the problem is. The world is unable to supply, give you what you need to meet your greatest need, and that is the salvation of your soul. It may satisfy for the temporal, but it is insufficient for the eternal. The world and what the world has to offer, the things of this world, they cannot make you right with God. You, they, you cannot take money or wealth or anything, land, a massive financial portfolio, a thriving business that you started. It will not buy you away into heaven. As a matter of fact, the world and the things of this world will actually cost you. You may have some short-term gains, but you will lose everything that matters in the long run. Let me tell you a story. It's in the Bible. It's in Luke chapter 12. and I, I'm a, I will preach it in the way that I'm able to preach it. There's a man that basically ignored God, cared nothing about God, lived a godless life, if you will, but was consumed with the world, just consumed. And he went after it with gusto, and he was successful. He, he accumulated many possessions. He accumulated great wealth. Uh, he, his bank accounts were so full that he had to get other banks to put his money in, if you will. Uh, the guy had it made. He was retiring at 40. He was retiring at 40. He had it made. I'm going to sit back, let my money work for me. I'm going to eat, drink. I'm going to live life, go where I want to, uh, do what I want. I've got it made. And that's what he thought until one night death came upon him and he stood before God and everything changed because when his soul was required of him, and by the way, that's how the Bible terms it, his soul was required of him. See, his soul, not his money, not his wealth, nothing. You know, they're right. You can't take it with you. When you die, your kids get it. Somebody else gets it. Okay? You can't take it with you. You gave your whole life for it, and then you have to leave it. But when you stand before God, God doesn't care the size of your financial portfolio or how much money you've made or how, how much you're worth, your net worth. God doesn't care about that. All he cares about is your soul. And when his soul was required of him, he stood before God with nothing. He had a debt he could not pay. His spiritual bank account was empty. And the Bible says that God called him a fool. A fool. God judged him a fool. Why? Because Psalm 14, if I remember right, says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. 
So he lived like there was no God. There was no God to live for now. There was no God that he was going to stand before and give an account to in the future. Except when he died, he found out there was a God and that he faced him. He had lived his life for the pursuit of things that are temporary. And while the Bible doesn't come right out and say it, I'll admit that, the inference is clear. The man may have had heaven on earth, but he spent eternity away from God in hell. That's sobering, something to think about, isn't it? And let me just say this. There's a lesson here for believers, too. Each of us can be tempted to pursue worldly things at the expense of God. We have to fight that temptation. Like I told you, there's nothing inherently wrong with the things of this world. I'm not talking about the worldly, sinful, worldly system. I'm just talking about life and money and jobs and whatever. That's fine. Careers, education. There's nothing wrong with that. Go get it. Go get it. There's nothing wrong with that. But when you do those things and pursue those things at the expense of God, you're in trouble. Let me Listen to me. I've been pastoring now for 33 and a half years, 33 years, over 33 years, because I started in, in June of 1988. So for 33 years, I have been in full-time pastoring, been in ministry longer than that. Uh, listen, I, listen to me. Listen to this 55-year-old man, okay? Especially those of you who don't listen to me. I cannot tell you the people that I have pastored that at one time they were good, godly people that loved the Lord, loved the church, served the Lord, lived right, were, were devoted to ministry. They had their, their jobs, their careers, their families, their businesses. I'm thinking of one particular family right now, one particular, but I've seen it happen over and over again. But they got wrapped up, something happened, and they got with the wrong people in the world who were consumed with the world and worldly things, and they got with the wrong people, and they started going to the wrong places, doing the wrong things with the wrong people, and their priorities shifted, and they started focusing on the things of this world and accumulating things and having prestige and being recognized, and they stopped. Their church attendance minimized. They didn't volunteer anymore. They were too busy going all the things of the world, and I even noticed they started compromising things I never would have heard them say, never would have seen them do. They started doing, see? They started compromising because they were pulling and sucked into the world and God got put on a shelf. And they even would come to me. Uh, one person would take He'd say, you know, why don't you do this? And he was wanting to compromise in church. He wanted me to dumb down some things in church. I'm thinking, where did this come from? It can happen to you. And by the way, when we say the world, oh, the world, that's so broad and generic. Let me tell you what the world was for them. Anderson, South Carolina. It doesn't have to be L.A., New York, Chicago, or Atlanta. The world can be in Belton, Honeypath, Iva, La France, Seneca, Greenville. You don't have to go way off somewhere. It's, you're not inoculated to, no, the world is right here. This man, I love him. He and his wife went in that direction. Somewhere out in the course of going on that path, that trajectory for months and months and months, God brought that man back to his senses. He got under conviction and realized, what am I doing? I have forsaken everything that I was ever taught everything I ever lived for as an adult, what am I? And he repented because at that point, he, had, he and his wife had gone into sin. 
He repented, came back to church. The problem is he went back this way. His wife kept going this way. They ended up getting a divorce, lost his marriage, everything. All because he got with the wrong people in Anderson, South Carolina. Going after the wrong things in Anderson, South Carolina. And he rused the day. You want to talk about regrets? He rused the day that he ever went after those things for what it cost him. My style of preaching is that I ask questions. I'm going to ask questions today. Where and in what is your time, energy, attention, and money most invested? Why? Because those are the areas you have to be the most careful of. Do you pursue things at the expense of God? Who gets cheated in your world? Somebody gets cheated. You only have 24 hours a day and you only have so much time and energy and attention. Who gets cheated? You know, everybody gets cheated. You're going to say no to somebody every day of your life. Did you know that? Just watch this week how many times you get a phone call and you won't answer it. Somebody asks you to do something. You say, no, I can't do that. Uh, somebody gets cheated in your life. How many times does God get cheated in your life? Yeah, I... <laughs> Yeah, I'll, yeah, I know I'm supposed to do that, but I'll do it later. I'll do it next week. I know I, I know I should read my Bible. I'll do it next. I know I should spend time in prayer, but I'll do it tomorrow. I, I know we're supposed to give the tithe that there's something we really wanted to buy. We wanted to remodel the house. X, Y, Z, I'll do it. I know, I, know, I know we were supposed to go to church this Sunday, but we're going to the mountains. We'll go next Sunday, next Sunday and weekend. Well, we thought we'd go to the, we thought we'd go to the beach. For, we'll just cheat God for this Sunday. We'll, we'll go the next Sunday. The next Sunday, well, we got at this brand new camper. We're going to go to the campground, but we'll be there the next Sunday. And you're just cheating, cheating, cheating God. You're having a blast. You're having a good time but you're doing it through the neglect of your spiritual things. I'm just asking. Is economic success or success in any other area the priority of your life or are you putting the premium on the worth of your soul? I got good news for you. I know I'm, I'm a downer right now. I'm Debbie Downer, right? But we need this. How many know we need this kind of preaching? If you don't get this kind of preaching, okay, it's not gonna get you anywhere. But, but, but if I just sent you out the door now, everybody would be depressed. But here's the good news. When you put God first, let me use economic terms. When you invest wisely in God and invest wisely in the things of God, you get a great ROI, which is return on your investment. And I will show you from the Bible. My wife's favorite verse, Matthew 6, Jesus says, but seek first. Again, I'm not telling you not to do any of these things. Go do all those things. If you want to get stuff, get stuff, okay? But seek first. Have a priority list, the kingdom of God and his righteousness, the things of God, the things that matter to God. Make those at the top. Seek first the kingdom of God. And all these other things that you feel like you want to spend all your time and energy and run after, you don't have to go after them. They will be added to you. It's in the Bible. I'm not preaching prosperity. I'm preaching spirituality. I'm just telling you the fringe benefit. 
there's a little book in the Bible called 3 John. It only has one chapter. So you don't say 3 John chapter 1, chapter 2. You just say 3 John. So 3 John 2. Sounds weird, doesn't it? 3 John 2. I love this verse in the Bible. John is praying. I love this. He's praying to God. He said, "I beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. How many of y'all like that prayer? How many of you will take that prayer? Come on. How many of you not going to raise your hand? Raise your hand if you're not going to raise your hand. There you go. Raise your hand if you're not going to raise your hand. <laughs> Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things. I want that prayer. Lord, answer that prayer. Come on, somebody. I pray that you may prosper in all things. Pray, preacher. Pray, preacher. Pray. And be in health. How many like that prayer? Oh, yeah. Be in, I want to be healthy and prosperous. Lord. Woo, come on, bring it on. Yeah. Hold on, he's not done. Just as or even as your soul prospers. I pray that you may prosper all things and be in health just as, even as your soul prospers. Uh-oh, wait a minute. He just put the spiritual things, what, first. Do you see that? Even as. What, what's got to happen first? Spiritual things. You've, you've got to prosper, go ahead and say it, spiritually, if you want to prosper in everything else and have the health, the health prayer answered, okay? The point is, it's right there in the Bible, the Apostle John praying for the church, and he says, I want you blessed, I want you healthy, I want God to be able to use you. I want you, I want you to be, I want you to enjoy life and I want you to be a vessel that God can use as we spread this gospel, this good news around the world and to our families and friends. But if that's gonna happen, you gotta be prosperous spiritually. You know, I told you, Solomon said, eat, drink, and enjoy the fruit of your labor. That's what he said. You're gonna work your whole life. If you're gonna work your whole life, if you wanna go to Longhorns and get you a fillet, you can afford it. Now go, now don't get in debt over your head. Now, don't get in debt over your head and then gripe and complain about why God's not helping you and blessing you. That's your problem. You created that problem, and you want God to bail you out of it, okay? So you have to use some wisdom. But if you work hard all week, and it's Friday night, and you look at your wife, and you say, I want to go to Longhorns and get a filet. Well, if you can afford it, go to Longhorns and get you a filet with a loaded baked potato and a side of Brussels sprouts. And you'll feel better about yourself. And a diet Dr. Pepper, Make everything right. Eat, drink, enjoy the fruit of your labor. If you got it, worked hard, you got some extra money, ladies, you want a new dress, go get you a new dress. You want a pair, new pair of blue jeans, go get you some. See what I'm saying? But at the end of that great book, Solomon said, now I've told you this repeatedly, but now let me just make sure we've got this thing right. Eat, drink, and work hard. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. Get that camper, all that. Wait a minute, wait a minute. But the first thing you better do is you better fear God and keep his commandments, including remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Forsake not the assembling of thyselves together. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse. Read your Bible. Pray. Spend time with the Lord. The spiritual things. Witness, work for God, worship him in spirit and in truth. You do the spiritual things first, and then all that other stuff, God takes care of it. Listen to this, Mark 10, 28. Then Peter began to say to Jesus, see, we have left all and followed you. 
So Jesus answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels, listen to this, who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time. A lot of people miss that scripture. But when you give up everything for Jesus, he gives it all back and more. Houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands. And in the age to come, eternal life. What I'm trying to tell you today is there's no reason to go getting all wrapped up in this life where you're sacrificing church and family time and time with Jesus and your own spiritual, your character. There's no reason to do all that when if you'll just serve God and then go work hard, make God your partner, he'll take care of everything else. You got to learn it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? It's better to gain your soul and lose the world. Because you're not going to hang on to this stuff anyway. And then the last line, and I close. Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What price can you put on your soul? What value? How much is your soul worth? What would you trade your soul for? that this world has to offer you? A corner office, a Fortune 500 business, being a millionaire, a life of comfort and ease, the ability to do what you want to do whenever you want to do it? What would you trade your soul for? What's your soul worth? I've got news for you today. Your soul is your most valuable possession. And there is nothing nor, nor amount of things in this world that can together combined match the value of your soul. If you exchange it for anything else in this world, you lose it. It's a bad investment, and it will cost you more than you know now and for all eternity. You you want me to tell you how important your soul is? I, I wish this was original. I read it on Instagram. I think Charles Spurgeon said it. I don't know. I didn't get the quote, but you know how valuable your soul is so that you know what I'm saying today? I say with passion, listen, your soul is so valuable, it is worth so much that both God and the devil will fight for it. I want you to think about that. And then we want to throw it away for the things of this world that will rust. Let me tell you something. You can have money. You can have money, but if you don't have joy, you'll be miserable. If you don't have Jesus, you'll be miserable. You just trust me. You can have money, more money, and you know what to do with, plenty of money, but if you don't have the joy of the Lord and the peace of Jesus, I'm telling you right now, you will be miserable. It'll never John D. Rockefeller was the richest man in America at one time. A reporter said, Mr. Rockefeller, when will you have enough money? And he paused and he said, when I have just a little bit more. And that's the problem with the things of this world. Get you a four-wheeler, it'll, it'll break down. You have to get another one. Get a set of clubs, they'll wear out and you gotta get some more. Get you a car, somebody else in about three years will go by with a newer model and you'll say, man, I wish I had that. Wear, buy all the clothes you want, they'll go out of style and then you gotta go buy some more. Still hanging on to my bell bottoms from the 70s, hoping they'll come back in. No, I'm just kidding. You know how valuable your soul is? Your soul is so valuable that Jesus died on a cross to save your soul. 
The Bible talks about it repeatedly. There are several, like three or four times, it literally talks about the salvation of your soul or the saving of your soul. Listen, he saves your soul. That's what he's concerned about. Do you know that, let me close with this, just Jesus' death on, I'm gonna say this one more thing. Jesus' death on the cross was a transaction of sorts. Did you, did you know that? When Adam sinned, he sold us into slavery, into sin, in the slave market of sin. Jesus dies on the cross, sheds his blood, and in exchange, he gives his life, he lays down his life to save our lives. He gave his life to free us from the slave market of sin. The commodity, the currency for our salvation was his blood. Thus his life. He gave to get. He gave his life to get us redemption, freedom from sin so that we would not have to be slaves to sin and have to sin anymore. There was a transaction that occurred at Calvary. Peter said, for we were not redeemed with corruptible, perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of the Lamb. He gave his life in exchange. It's a substitutionary death. His loss of life was your gain, for he made a way to save your soul. And then he received his life back again in the resurrection, and now he has the interest that comes. He laid down his life. It was temporary loss, but he got his life back, and now he's getting the interest, and the interest, the return on his investment, is everybody who gets saved because of what he did. We are his return on investment. Isn't that powerful? So powerful. He has a wonderful relationship with every person who comes in for salvation. And so to be saved, you can play Pastor Billy. To be saved, you have to make an investment. You have to make an investment, and that's your life. When I invest my money, sometimes I invest my money with people in certain things. When I invest my money, I lose my money for a while. If I want it, I can't get to it because somebody else is using it. However, per the terms of the contract or the promissory note, when the time comes due, I get my money back. It's a temporary loss for an eventual gain, but I don't just get my money back. It comes back with interest. Listen to me today. When you give your life to Jesus, you're not losing it. You're investing it. You, you give it to him, yes. You give it to him. So in a sense, just like you, you're losing it. But he takes you and he washes you and he transforms your life, radically alters it, changes it and conforms it to the image of Jesus and makes it pure and holy and he gives it back to you with interest and you have relationship with him and his blessings and his favor and his love and his grace and his mercy and eternal life now and forever. The best investment you can make is in your own soul. Are you making the right investment? I want you to stand with me. With every head bowed and every eye closed on this Labor Day weekend.
nobody looking around but me. Is there anyone in this church that would raise their hand and acknowledge and say, Pastor Chris, I need my soul to be saved. My soul's not right. Man, you've preached all in my stuff. I've, I've got all consumed with this world, running after this world, and it's not fulfilling me, and it's not doing for me what I need. And I need, I need something to happen. I need this Jesus. I need to be saved. I, I, need, I need my soul saved. I need to put God first. Anybody in this house, would you raise your hand and hold it up? Anybody, I need to be saved, Pastor. Anybody in this house? Raise your hand high. Come on, it's just me. I'm looking. I want to pray with you. Anybody in this house? I'm, I'm going to wait about 15 more seconds. I'm not going to drag this out. Anybody, maybe you're, you're fighting right now. You're, you said, well, I've never raised my hand in church. Well, there's always a first. Nobody's looking. It's just me, me and God. God and I are the ones looking. Anybody? Five seconds. Every head up, every eye open. Thank you. Then that means that if we're all being honest, everybody in this house is right with the Lord. Or it means somebody just didn't raise their hand. I can't do anything about that. My mother told me for years, son, you can lead them to the water, but you can't make them drink. I've led you to the water. It's living water. Now, at some point, you got to drink. But I'll tell you what, I'm glad my soul's saved. How about you? I'm glad my soul's right. I'm glad my soul's saved. Doesn't mean I'm perfect. Doesn't mean it. Just means my soul's right. I belong to Jesus. I'm his possession. May not be what ought to be, but I'm not what ought used to be. And every day, he's making me more like Christ. I want to pray over you right now. Father, come on, why don't you celebrate for what Jesus has done for you. Father, I thank you for this word today. I know, Lord, in the first service, somebody gave their life to you. I guess, Lord, we've learned, we've been doing this long enough, that sometimes on a Sunday morning, while all of this may benefit, sometimes the message might just be for one person. Lord, that's all right with us, because one soul means all the world, more than the world. So thank you for what you did in that first service. And maybe, God, just maybe you're doing something in this house that we don't know about. That's okay. But Lord, help all of us to have our souls right with you. Help us to live for you and serve you every day of our lives. And you said the just shall live by faith. Help us to live a life where we're trusting you. We're investing in you every day, putting the things of God first. Whatever we're doing, whatever we're accomplishing, whatever we're achieving, that's fine. But Lord, don't ever let us cheat you. Let us always keep you first keep you at the top so when the day comes and our souls required of us it doesn't really matter what we've got down here somebody else can have it because we'll be ready to go to spend eternity with you and oh what awaits us there nothing we ever get here can even compare to what waits for us on the other side so bless these folks i pray in jesus name everybody said amen come on let's give god a praise for his wonderful love and grace and what he did for us hallelujah Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. Be sure to join us Sunday mornings. Our service times are 9 o'clock and 1045. For more information, please visit us at highpraises.org.